In a letter to his editor defending the title of his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Eugene Peterson said this, We have grown up in a culture that urges us to take charge of our own lives. We are introduced to thousands of books that we are trained to use, look up information, acquire skills, master knowledge, divert ourselves, whatever. But use? Well-meaning people tell us that the Christian gospel will put us in charge of life, will bring us happiness and bounty. So we go out and buy a Bible. We adapt, edit, sift, summarize. We then use whatever seems helpful and apply it in our circumstances however we see fit. We take charge of the Christian gospel, using it as a toolbox to repair our lives, or as a guidebook for getting what we want, or as an inspirational handbook to enliven a dull day. But we aren't smart enough to do that, nor can we be trusted to do that. The Holy Spirit is writing us into the revelation, the story of salvation. We find ourselves in the story as followers of Jesus. Jesus calls us to follow him, and we obey, or we do not. This is an immense world of God's salvation that we are entering. We don't know enough to use or apply anything. Our task is to obey, believingly, trustingly obey. Now, if you need to sit with that quote for a second, that's okay, because I, I know I did when I read that. I found that it articulated things that I've been trying to say or been learning or trying not to learn, things that I've been fighting against. It articulated them in a very concise way. And I, I would really recommend that book also, The Pastor, if you haven't read it. But in that quote... I found a lot of what we've been talking about with the difference between systems and spirits. One of the ways that I've begun to realize that my systems for living life with God aren't always good and helpful is that often they serve as an excuse to let me trust in myself. Like Peterson says, I end up using the things of God and then give myself this illusion that I am God. I'm in control. I can make outcomes happen and I can have this guidebook and get the results that I want. But my Christian strategies and principles that are often good things from God, they often serve as this replacement for trusting God himself. They, if I'm not careful, serve as, as an alternative rather than a support of trust. My life is something where I'm supposed to be walking in relationship with God, responding to what he's saying, obeying him or not obeying him. I'm being written into a story that is much bigger than a system that I can create. So any values, systems, strategies, plans, whatever you might want to call them, are gifts from God, but they don't serve as a replacement for trusting in God. Um, in, in John's Gospel, the third chapter, there's this story that I've come to really, really enjoy and be convicted by uh, in so many different ways lately. Uh, it's the story of Jesus interacting with a man named Nicodemus. And I'll just read it to you right now. This is John chapter 3. 
Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And that word for Spirit is the same as the word for the wind blows wherever it pleases. That's a familiar story uh, if you've grown up reading the Bible or around it. And how I've come to read this text in recent days is, one, that it is a call to be born again, to be born of the Spirit, to live your life in the way that Jesus calls us to and to be redeemed by him. And secondly, I've come to see it as an indictment against any way of trying to climb the spiritual ladder of life through any means other than trust. What Jesus invites his fellow teacher of the law into is something utterly terrifying, and that is a life of trust, a life founded not on manageable systems where I get to control what the outcomes are and how I do everything, but a life founded on relationship and trust with a God who is alive and active not with a God who can be reduced into a box of my own making and then I can just consult that box and be in control of it. Now, I don't know Nicodemus. I know that he was likely incredibly wise and a lot smarter than I will ever be and a better reader of the Bible than I will ever be. But it looks like he was a follower of Jesus by the end of his life. And it looks like this is in part, a way that Jesus invited him to become that. He invited him to this life of trust, of not just being born again by constructing the perfect you know, system for living, but, but being born again by consenting to this life of following Jesus, where the Spirit goes and you just follow. That's the ultimate authority. Not any system or structure, but the Spirit. And that's an important distinction because God is, a, is alive. He's living. He's breathing. Jesus is a person we relate to. Any person you try to reduce to a system, that relationship is bound to fail. That's 99% of the fights I have with any close friend or with my wife is when I try to reduce them to a system or set of principles or values that I can see in them. They're a person. They're living active. I need to have room for being open to what they're saying. The same is true of our relationship with God. 
And yeah, I don't know Nicodemus, but Jesus seems to invite him and every reader of this story into that kind of life, the life of trust. This is tough to talk about because, as I've said, systems aren't bad. Systems, though, become troublesome when they serve as a replacement of trust rather than being in support of trust. And in the life of faith, every system, every strategy must be in support of trusting the Spirit. It can't be a replacement to trusting Him. And I know, it sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but I think that distinction makes a whole world of difference in our worldview and in our life. When my main goal in life is to support a system of good ideals and values, even if they are from God, like Nicodemus's probably were, I fall into believing I'm in control of what happens. And if everything I do runs through a system I've constructed, I know what is right and wrong, then I am, to quote Genesis 3, like God, knowing good and evil. And as Genesis 3 shows us, this isn't the call of God for his people to live an abundant life. His call is for us to receive the knowledge of good and evil from him, not to take it for ourselves and categorize it for ourselves. It's tricky to trust the Spirit and rely on him, primarily because he doesn't always show up in the ways that I want him to. God maybe is silent where I want a direct answer, Uh, Sometimes he'll allow me to just make my own choice with wisdom and with prayer. And because of this relationship being outside of my control, I'm tempted to not live by trust. I'm tempted to replace trust with something much more manageable. I may take a set of values and principles and create a system to ensure that I will always do the right thing and I'll always get the right outcome because trust is too tricky. But once I've boxed that system up and made a rigid, complete, untouchable thing, I will likely think that I can and should be in control of my life and what happens, and I'll probably hurt myself and the people around me in doing so. To have the core of my life be trust in the Spirit, or as Paul calls it, to keep in step with the Spirit, I will definitely have systems and structures and values and principles. And these will be important to my life. But these things never exist so that I don't have to pray or that I don't have to seek God in every situation. They never come between relationship with God and myself. For example... I like to look at this story of Jesus and his disciples picking grain on the Sabbath. The Pharisees rebuke him, and they say that, why why are you guys working on the Sabbath? Jesus, however, he's practicing the Sabbath, by the way. He's not telling them the Sabbath is bad. But he, he looks back to the story of David, and he brings this story to mind. He says, you know, was David really doing something wrong when he ate the showbread from the temple when he was fleeing from his enemies? Jesus sees the heart of the law. He sees the heart of the Sabbath. And he says, this is a day to enjoy God's presence and to receive life as a gift from him, to no longer work to get what I need, but to receive it as a gift from God and to trust him. Jesus and his disciples were hungry, and there was some food for them to gather. 
The spirit of the Sabbath was that it was a gift from God for people to enjoy what had been provided to them. And Jesus saw that, and the Pharisees would have robbed Jesus from enjoying the gift of that grain. They would have robbed Jesus from enjoying the food given to him and his disciples because they were upholding a system and an interpretation of the system. The system wasn't bad. They wanted to practice the Sabbath well and experience the rest and the peace of God. But they missed the heart of it. And Jesus saw the heart of it and enjoyed the gift that was in front of him. This is why it is so important for me to be careful whenever I'm trying to make a decision around a system that I have. My wife and I practice Sabbath as well. We try to, and I can get so caught up in the system that I actually end up hurting her with my rules, that I actually end up not being loving or patient or kind. And when that's a day for me to receive all those things from God. When we uphold systems rather than living like Jesus lived, only doing what he saw the Father doing, we end up becoming rigid and bitter. That's kind of the result that happens almost every time when I am upholding a system rather than trust. I'm rigid, I'm bitter, I hurt people. But when we walk with trust as our primary motive, we find the fruit of the Spirit becoming evident in our lives. In every encounter Jesus had with the religious leaders he critiqued, he seemed to be rebuking the lack of love, the lack of the fruit of the Spirit that was in their lives. I love this, this indicting and convicting quote from Luke 11, where Jesus says, Woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. You have the system, but you're not living in that relationship. And in doing so, you're hurting the people around you. You're not letting them experience that relationship. You see, the rigidity of reducing God to a system that we can be in control of robs ourselves. It robs us and it robs the people around us from experiencing the life, the love, and the presence of the living God. When trust is primary and our systems and strategies don't supersede it, but only serve as a support for a relationship with God, what we find is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control flowing in and out of us through keeping in step with the Spirit. These things are a sure way to see what we want, to see the kingdom of God in our lives. But as we know, the kingdom of God doesn't always come in obvious perceptible ways. We may not even see the result we want in our lifetime. But for the fruit of the Spirit to be evident is for the kingdom of God to be evident, even if it doesn't look obvious. And as hard as it may be, God invites us to pray that we are cleansed from our hidden faults. And that might mean that he reveals to us where we have good systems set up that take priority over prayer, listening, and waiting, and responding to the Spirit. I have to allow God to reveal where, I, where I'm trying not to trust him through good systems. And then I have to know that there is abundant life where systems are no longer ultimate, but trust is.